Welcome to Maximize Your Hunt, the podcast dedicated to those who want the most out of their hunting property. This podcast explores land management, habitat improvement, and hunting strategies that will help you maximize your time in the field. Follow along as industry professionals that live and breathe white-tailed deer share their secrets to success. And now, the founder of Whitetail Landscapes, your host, John Teeter. I'm John Teeter, Whitetail Landscapes. This is Maximize Your Hunt. Welcome back, everybody. A um, couple topics. One topic right now is uh, this is property management season still. Hopefully, folks are out there cutting their timber, burning their fields, whatever the case may be, you're doing something in the field and improving your hunting property. The other piece of this is I've been in the office working on management plans and I love being in front of the computer. Just kidding. I don't like it, but I have to do it. It's part of the process and we're trying to get reports out to clients. So anybody who is a client, you know, be, please be patient and uh, thanks for, you know, all your service and support with me because, you know, these clients, we end up doing implementation work with them and, you know, it, it certainly helps uh, them execute the season. I'm thinking about hunting season right now for some reason, probably because we've been talking about food plots and timber management and all the other things we get into. I'm going left on this conversation today and I have a completely different guest. Um, you know, we've got our standard guests and I've had a bunch of new people on the podcast. You know, we've had the science side of things. We've had, you know, people that provide products and thinking more about, you know, their solutions to some of our problems, whether it's food plots or timber or what have you. Um, I've got a really cool client on. Hey, Matt, how are you? Hey, John, I'm good. So far, so good. Okay, so I got Matt Light on the phone. Matt, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself, and I want to talk about kind of your foundation. And uh, let's go back in time. You were an NFL football player at one point in your life, correct? <laughs> you know, I think so. Uh, I've been hit. <laughs> quite often in my life. But, uh, you know, that John, I started out as a kid that, you know, just loved to run into walls. My parents were like, all right, we got to find something for this kid to do and introduce me to the sport of football. It's really the only sport that I participated in growing up. And, uh, you know, it, it, it ended up serving me pretty well. Never thought it would end up, you know, going the path that it ultimately did. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate, you know, to, uh, to do, you know, a sport right for, for life, uh, uh, in terms of, you know, starting out and, and the experiences and all the things that have brought me. So definitely blessed to have that. Let's talk a little bit about your football career. Cause I think that's relevant. You went to Purdue. I know you, you had a good career there and then you, you played obviously, you know, well you play with Brady. So let's talk a little bit about kind of, uh, you've won some Super Bowls, I think too, right? I mean, I'm assuming you have. <laughs> <laughs> Suck a little bit well, about yeah, you know, so, uh, and even going back, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, grew up right, uh, you know, central Ohio on the, on the Indiana border. So West central Ohio and, you know, um, you know, Purdue wasn't too far down the road. It was about two and a half hour drive. And, and, and actually my, my time playing at Purdue was the first time I'd seen a, a game, uh, that wasn't high school related. Right. I didn't follow college sports. I'd never seen, uh, football on TV, right? Um, it just wasn't a way of life. And, and uh, you know, I think it was my family, you know, for the most part, you know, everything we did was in the outdoors. And, you know, my father had severe polio growing up, so it wasn't as if he was big into sports. And, you know, so, you know, after I left Purdue, um, ended up in New England. And, uh, you know, look, that was 2001. And 
we weren't predicted to have much of a season or win a game, let alone, you know, several. And, you know, from there on it, 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 it you know, I was able to be, you know, a part of what they later called the dynasty and, and what's, what was a heck of a run and spent 11 years, you know, under coach Belichick and playing with guys like Teddy Bruschi and Mike Vrabel and, you know, of course, the the number twelve that was standing behind me for for many a time, and uh, yep. you know, it was a great. It, again, it was an incredible experience, and uh, you know, moved here to New England uh, in two thousand and one. We're still here today, and split time between here and the Midwest. You started a foundation some years back, and this foundation has turned into a large business for you. Um, can you explain a little bit about the foundation, the purpose of it, the benefit, and what you get out of it personally? Yeah, well, what I get out of it, you know, is is uh, is more than, than I could have ever asked for. And, and uh, look, we started the Light Foundation in 2002. Um, again, I was a rookie in 01. We ended up winning a Super Bowl. Um, to your point, I, I, I was fortunate to play in five of them. Three of them we won. Two of them we felt terrible for this dorky-looking quarterback from from the Giants. But anyway, let's not dwell on the negative. Um, you know, it was it was an amazing run. But but I knew after the 01 season, um, I kept hearing what my grandmother would say. Right, to whom much is given, much is required. I mean, she stole that from the Bible, but but she was the one that always said that and. You know, it, it dawned on me, you know, how, how incredible um, that that season was and, and how thankful I was. And, and now what am I going to do? Right. And because of the success on the field, it was easy to launch a nonprofit and get support, especially here in New England. And and what we did was we raised money and we we had this idea that we want to work with kids and we want to be able to help them, you know, reach their potential or, you know, give them a different opportunity than maybe what they currently had, but we didn't have a ton of direction, but by 2007, we were locked into really where we are today through the life foundation. And, and it's a pretty simple approach, right? Um, I like to, I like to make things really simple, right? When you think about them and the best way to boil everything we do through the life foundation down is to say, we want to walk alongside young people and lead by example. Right. And, and, and that is such a great way to approach, you know, whatever it is you want to do. If you're a nonprofit, if you're an individual, if you want to make an impact in other people's lives, whether it's kids, adults, or whoever, just take time out of yours and walk alongside them. And when you have an opportunity, lead by example. And that's what we do through the Light Foundation. We have a host of different programs. Uh, most of what we do is outdoor based because, you know, selfishly, that's where I feel the most comfortable, right? And it's really where the world and my family and the people that I grew up with taught me the most. You know, that awesome responsibility of being able to go a field with a, with a shotgun or a bow, right. To be efficient with what you're using and have a great respect for the resources and what they give you. Right. Um, you know, these are all things that I felt that are useful today, tomorrow have been in, in perpetuity since the beginning of time. And it's something that the outdoors can bring in so many vivid ways and, so the Life Foundation, we've got programs that are in place that, that really do a great job of impacting kids, whether it's, you know, from kindergarten all the way to graduating seniors in high school. 
And to me, that's interesting to think about because you're providing leadership skills, but also purpose in the same moment. The other piece of it is, is these opportunities. And, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I, I've got a neighbor down the road, uh, a 16 year old boy, a great, great young man. And uh, I've had an opportunity to influence him and get him more involved in the outdoors. We, we shot his first deer together, right? You know, that whole experience is something he will never forget. His father was there with us tracking the deer. That was a team effort, but it was really him stepping up, practicing with his bow. You know, every weekend he'd come over and shoot his bow in our backyard and practice with, with my son. And my son looked up to him and it continues to look up to him in sports and, and other things of that nature. So it's, it's building blocks and setting these standards for our children where they're going to lead better examples for their children. And, and I think you're, you're kind of hitting on a, a lot of good points that kind of, I guess, they echo inside of me. So, all right, let's, let's tie this, this foundation into introduction. So you're allowing kids into the outdoors, whether it's hunting or, or other activities. And let's talk about all the activities they can get involved in. But that, let's hit on the hunting aspect of it. So, you know, what opportunities does it allow for kids and at boys and girls, various ages, maybe some specifics would be helpful. Sure. Yeah. Well, as it relates to the hunting side of it, we host a, a youth wild turkey hunt in Ohio. And uh, we also have one here in Rhode Island where kids in the Northeast can apply. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the things that I like to bring to people's attention, when, when you think about a youth hunt, you know, there's nothing wrong with just taking kids in the outdoors and hunting, right? Um, what we do through the Light Foundation, though, is we like to group everything under this Light Foundation Leadership Academy, right? So when you think about a youth wild turkey hunt, for example, one of our programs, I want you to think about it as an opportunity to create stronger leaders through an activity like turkey hunting. So what does that really represent? Well, when it when it when a, a young person uh, wants to get involved with a program like the turkey hunt, they have to do two things right off the bat. Number one, they got to take time out of their day to fill out an application, and they have to turn it in on time. Number two, they have to be able to complete the essay portion, which is how they get graded, right? Um, you know, I would love to say that every kid that applies we have room for, but we don't. And, and competition is something that's been dumbed down in our society a lot, but it's actually a great tool. It's a great motivator. It's a great way to get buy-in. It's a great way for kids to put a little skin in the game, right, to get an opportunity to do something. And I like to tell these, these young people, hey, look, anybody can give you something, right? It's like, you know, when you teach a man, you know, to fish, you know, versus giving him a fish, right? Uh, we like to take that approach in everything that we do. So our youth hunts, while we we love to see kids have success in the field, at the end of the day, if they can hear a gobble, if they can enjoy and respect spending time with a with a mentor who shares their passion for the sport, who shares, you know, their knowledge and, and their time, right? And they get to know someone different. They get to learn how to look people in the eye. Th those are great aspects of the hunt. But the thing that takes it into the leadership realm is that it's not just about hunting. While they're there, we're going to have conversations and get real and, 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 and hopefully leave them with, with some, some tangible skill sets that they can apply in every walk of life, let alone just the field, right? So, you know, that's one of our programs. Um, 
We love our youth hunts. We love that into the uh, uh, that aspect of what we do. Um, we also have a lot of other uh, camps, things like our Camp Vahoakis, where we're working with kids that come into our program right after they finish eighth grade, and then they stay in our program for four years until they graduate high school. It's an amazing walk with these young men. Um, and, and to back up a little bit, um, our Camp Vahokas, our leadership camp, is the only thing that we do that is just for young men. Everything else we do, our youth hunts, our light project, you know, our, our football camps, I mean, you know, that that's, uh, that's not gender specific. We have you know, young ladies, young men. Um, we have, you know, kids that come from all different backgrounds. Um, but Camp Vahokas is is what kicked everything off for the Light Foundation. It was this idea that we can take kids out of their normal everyday environment, right? Whether they, you know, are from a place like the Northern Cheyenne Reservation in Montana, or they're from New Orleans, Louisiana, or Washington, D.C., or Ohio, or, or West Lafayette, Indiana, where I went to school at Purdue – all these different regions, we can bring these kids together and they can enjoy, you know, the, the differences that they all have in a creative way. And we can put them in positions to think outside the box, to do things like career educational tours and community service projects where they get to shoot some guns and, and get that awesome responsibility, but they have to earn it every step of the way. And as I said, it's a four year program. So, not only do we get to walk alongside these young people and hold them accountable, do what we call being real, responsible, ethical, accountable leaders. But, you know, we, we get, we get to see the changes. And, and I got to tell you, John, it's, it's probably the most rewarding thing that I've done consistently in my life is be a part of, you know, that camp, that particular program and the changes that we get to see uh, as counselors. It's beautiful. And I think one word comes to mind with all that examples is growth. You're providing growth opportunities for kids and again, getting diverse perspectives, but again, holding them accountable and, you know, turning them into leaders. That's, that's huge. That I appreciate that perspective. I like the acronym as well that you came up with. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and I, I would say too, you know, the, the reason we can do all this, I mean, and, and one of the things that, that I get to sit back and just smile and, and soak in is that, in most cases, I'm introducing these these young people to the to some of the very same people who shaped my life. Right. Um, you know, my my immediate family, my my wife, my kids, they they've all worked these camps since, the, you know, for my kids, the day they were born, my wife and I from day one. Um, everything we do is a family affair, right? My my mom and my mother in law and my sister in law, my brother in law, they're the cooks. You know, they're the camp chefs. They're fixing meals for these kids all summer for, you know, the different programs that we run. Uh, my dad, my mom, uh, you know, my dad is a guy that heads up, you know, a lot of our, our camp projects making, you know, arapukas and, and at laddles and teaching them how to make bows out of PVC and, and uh, Flemish strings. I mean, just really cool stuff, man. And, 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 and then so many other people that shaped my life growing up. I mean, I get to, introduce these young people to the very people that 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 gave me a love for the outdoors and taught me so many different things and and to me it's just priceless man i I love it i love every aspect of it yeah i love that and the skills and value and mindset and all the things that go with these camps is interesting i I did look at your your camp offerings and opportunities and obviously the the football is (laughs) is something that that 
obviously is interesting to me, uh, of course, you know, you know, my son's in a football, but, but I've, I've got more of a, more of an in-depth question for you. You know, so, so my son, and, and hopefully people can relate to this because I have a son and daughter, you know, I'm trying to introduce my kids to the outdoors, you know, incrementally. My son has planted way too many trees. I think I've turned him off because of the interest in management and my style. And, you know, he's <laughs> analyzing deer, right? We're looking at soil. He's, he's going through the process. He's, he's, he's more advanced than I've, I would ever be at, the, at his age, thinking about the, the factual elements of, of the process, like my management style, how I look at property evaluation. You know, he's run tractors. You know, he's done everything at 12 years old, which it's funny because when he's in school, very few kids can relate. We're not in a big hunting cultural environment here in upstate New York, but there's a few kids and, you know, he, as he does relate to them, they're like, oh, you know, my dad hunts. And he's like, yeah, my dad hunts, you know, and it's, it's like, you don't understand what goes into this. And I almost feel like that's turned him off. And um, so I've had to take a step back. I've not pushed him into sports. Uh, I played college lacrosse. I, I haven't pushed him into anything at this point. I let him find his way. There's the other piece of this is setting them up to, and this is, an, this is the selfish aspect of it. You want to have camaraderie and you want to be able to socialize and, and be in their lives for longer periods than just their, their childhood, right? So you want to have a common bond with your kids. And, and this applies to my daughter as well, whether it's golf or you know doing something we can do together, skiing. But hunting obviously is a passion, the same passion you have growing up, right? Probably the same passion you're trying to promote with your kids. It's building these bonds. And I feel like pain is sometimes pleasure. And this is just my opinion. I mean, that kid had planted, I don't know, a thousand trees last year, you know, and, and, you know, you got family members saying, well, what are you abusing your child? I said, no, I'm, I'm teaching them appreciation for change because we're making changes in the landscape that, that only we can see and will see based upon a plan. And, you know, that's very well thought out, but at the same point is, does he have the same love and passion for that change? And, and now you pushing away. So my question to you is, this introduction piece. Now, these kids are putting out applications, so they, they want this, right? But in in real world, or in my example as example, you know, as, as a situation, how do you kind of promote this opportunity? Make it look like you know it's something that they they're interested in, right? Getting buy-in from them, and at the same time, obviously, kids want to do what kids want to do without being too pushy. And uh, I've had to step back and say, how do I introduce them into this world in increments? And, and to get that buy-in because, yeah, they got an iPad and they've got all these, you know, electronic devices that, that create that attraction that it's hard for me to compete with. What's your take on that? Because I think that's really, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people, probably listeners on this podcast say, how do I pass this to the next generation? Sure. John, listen, you're, you're hitting on a very important subject. Um, and, and it's one that, uh, I don't know anyone that doesn't struggle with it. That's trying to promote the outdoors or the lifestyle or hunting in general. Right. Um, I've had this conversation recently with uh, the head of fish and, and, and wildlife here in Massachusetts. Um, uh, talk about it with our, our partners on the Rhode Island hunt uh, DEM of Rhode Island. Um, you know, th- these are massive organizations that are trying to promote hunting and fishing to, 
you know, the next generation and they're trying to get buy-in. Um, I, I deal with this question with friends and, and family. I deal with this question just today um, with a guy who runs a local sporting club, right? He's got, you know, his, his town's, you know, sportsman club. He's got, you know, a good following, a good group of, of guys there that, that, and, and men and women that, that participate, but, you know, he's trying to promote things to kids. And he was talking about an event that he held this, this fishing derby and three kids showed up and he's like, you know, I just, I, I, I felt, I felt horrible because I went to a lot of work and only three people came. Right. And so it's a, it's a universal problem because guess what, you, you know, we're all competing with the iPhones and the iPads and the computers and the digital world. Right. And, and this idea that, you know, coming out of COVID, we don't really need to be with people. We can live in our own, you know, little fantasies or whatever it is, right. That, that we're afforded with all this technology. And, uh, and so that's, that, that's a difficult thing. And then of course there's, there are other barriers to the outdoors that, that kids, you know, run into. Um, but, but all, ultimately I think, you know, what, what, what we see a lot of is that if you can hear from the young people themselves after they've experienced, they're going to be the best advocates that you could possibly ask for. Um, you know, kids, when they, when they hear someone else, their age, their peers talk about an experience, it, it definitely opens up their, their, their mind and their heart to the, to the, uh, option that, that exists. Right. And, and, and in so many cases, you know, you, you promote, you promote, you promote, you push from within the schools and, and uh, church groups and, and you try to hit these kids on social media and, and show them the opportunities. But it really takes someone that they know, someone, again, that's a peer to, to make that suggestion. So whenever possible, I always tell people, if you're promoting anything through the outdoors or if you're a parent, right, get get a friend, get one of your kids' friends and get them involved, bring them on board, just like that young man that you talked about taking out and that experience that he had and the impact that it has on your son. You know, those are the kind of things that I think can help move the needle. And if you're trying to run a program, capture um, in real time, if you can, the, the, the feelings that these kids have, and, and it doesn't have to be just about the success, right? Not just after, you know, you harvest a great deer or a turkey or whatever it may be, get their thoughts about what it was like, what they enjoyed, what they learned, how they experienced it. And, uh, and their words can do wonders in getting other kids to take uh, an interest in it. And we've seen that a lot, right? Um, it's not always easy. There are times that you feel like, man, I put a lot of effort into this. So I just, you know, I'm just not getting a response I want, but if you hang in there, we're on year 14 or 15 with our youth Turkey hunt in Ohio. Um, we're on year three here in Rhode Island. Um, every year it gets better and better. And every year, you know, we get to tell a different story from a different kid's perspective. And, uh, and I think that's the thing that's done the most for us. Yeah. And introducing children into this world is something that I think breaks that, conversation the conversation you had earlier about covid and bringing that up and saying you know we're, we're just disillusionized and not connected to people and that's the norm that's what's that's what's minimizing you know these relationships and and that's what i i you know i personally you know i, I like to be alone in the woods and, and that's just you know that's just my lifestyle but besides that i mean i have great friends and family and people that i'm connected to that provide a lot of value in my life and those relationships you're talking about, this bond building, even this, even this podcasting, 
networking and opportunities that's done so much for me to revitalize the way I think about things and change my perspective and add, you know, some diverse thought and mindset in, into my day to day. You know, so I, I kind of take a lot from what you said personally. The other piece of it is, you know, this youth turkey hunting that you, you brought up a few times, um, your farm in Ohio. I think it's a sizable farm. We have a mutual friend. And uh, so I know a little bit about your property. That experience of going on that turkey hunt, what a fun thing to do is to hear that, to experience that gobble, um, just, to, just to be a field and, and, you know, understand that, oh, I'm close, even if the harvest doesn't happen. So the success isn't in the moments of, of the kill. It's just in the overarching experience. And it's getting people to slow down and recognize the importance of those mentoring conversations that they may have with a guide or the experience they have with friends or just observing, taking the time to observe what happens in the environment and experiencing it kind of at its full light, the benefit to you, you know, whether that's, you know, I guess in my case, it's knowing from a habitat standpoint, knowing what I'm doing is working. And then obviously in this case, knowing that somebody gets some enjoyment out of it, that's got to be a huge takeaway for you. It's, you've got this, you know, large property that people are benefiting from. That's got to make you feel great inside. And I think with people that own land, and a lot of people in this podcast that listen to this own land, it's what value not only are you getting, but others around you. And when I work with clients, it's that camaraderie that's huge. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to properties and I'm working with individuals, and it's a team thing, right? Uh, how many, I ask, you know, not the landowner, I ask the guy, well, how are you helping him? right? What is your contribution to this? Cause you're a team and it's promoting that kind of in, in a similar sense. So I, I'm just thinking full circle about this topic. It's kind of interesting to figure out, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of creates this, this vigor in your life and vitality and, and gives you kind of this uh, spark. And I, I'm, I'm getting motivated just thinking through this a little bit more. I want to talk a little bit about your youth turkey hunt that you have and how many kids you bring out you know, what you do with them, um, you know, th- those type of things. Cause I, I think people would want to kind of know a little bit more. And I know you're in Ohio. Are you in central Ohio? We are, we're West central. Our, our farm is located on the Indiana border. So we're North of Dayton, North I 70. And, um, you know, we're, we're, like I said, right on the, uh, Indiana border. And so there, there's, uh, you know, we're the number one agricultural producer in the state and dark County. Um, it's, it's home. It's a uh, home of Annie Oakley for those that are little Miss Sure Shot fans. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's not, you know, there's, it's, there's no big city, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's small town USA, but, you know, to your point on land and stewardship and, and landowners, you know, one of the, one of the only reasons that we have success not 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 one of the reasons that we do the hunt or, you know, um, you know for that matter, you know where I'm going with this this thought process is that, you know, if you had you know 50 acres and you wanted to take you know kids into the outdoors, that that's enough to do it, right? But really, the reason that we have success is because it's not just our property that that we have or in our farm. It's that we go out into the community and we have landowners that offer up, you know, uh, an opportunity for these kids, right? I mean, how cool is it for me to be able to say to a young person, hey, that was an awesome shot. What a great experience. I'm so happy that I got to be here and see that. Now let's go walk up to this neighbor, you know, this landowner and and knock on his door and, and, and show him 
you know, what, what they provided for you in the form of this opportunity and this harvest. Right. And, and what a great thing for a young person to be able to shake the hand and thank the landowner. Um, and they get to see that kid's smile. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a cool aspect to what we do. And, and look, it also flies in the face of what, you know, some people that don't really truly understand the outdoors and hunters, what their perception is. Right. And in so many cases, the, the uh, social media warriors that are out there posting everything and, and showing how big this is and how many of this they got. I mean, I just don't see where that does a lot of us any, any favors, you know, and, and I'm not on social media and, and I get it. You know, there's a lot of things about social media that are great, but it doesn't necessarily tell the story, right. Of, of who we are as outdoorsmen, as conservationists, as people who, you know, love to see others succeed and open up, you know, opportunities like a youth hunt to kids. Um, you know, I think it's really important that, and we have a responsibility as outdoorsmen to, you know, promote the, the lifestyle for the reasons that, that really make it unique and, and make it what it is. And, and that's what this youth hunt has been able to do for us. And, and we see so many landowners that, that absolutely love what, whether or not a kid gets a bird on their property or not, they just love being a part of it because it is the real part of what we do uh, through the outdoors. Yeah. And I like the idea of starting small, and uh, I guess my recommendation to anybody that's listening to this is getting these kids introduced to small game and then progressing and don't get him right into the, the deer hunting or, or the big game hunting in that capacity, you know, getting them start small and then they grow from that, you know, small object, small target, right. That creates accuracy. It gets them to learn life and death. It gets them into the process and I'm starting to get into that process with my son. So I figure it's important to share that perspective that seems to be working to some degree. My daughter, who knows where she'll be, right? We're just, we're just hoping, we're just hoping she doesn't kill my son uh, before, you know, <laughs> so, you know, there's always that dynamic going on as well. I want to talk towards the end of this. I want to kind of focus on, you know, how people can apply and then support the foundation. So, you know, when it comes to youth applying, that's, that's one thing. What's the process? You know, you've got you've got a bunch of different camps, um, whether it's football, you had a timber camp, you know, this turkey hunting, you know, applying to the camp. We talked about that slightly. I want to get into that. And then I want to talk about, you know, how else other big people can contribute to what you're doing and, and participate with you. Yeah, you know, if um, yeah, I, I would say the easiest way to get a better understanding of, of what it is that we do on the programming side and, and ways that, you know, you can get, um, you know, your 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 grandson, your, your, your own, you know, kids or, or anyone that you think could benefit from getting involved. Um, the easiest way to do that is go to mattlight72.com, uh, just like Bud Light, but Matt Light. Um, and, uh, if you go to the website, you know, you can go to our, um, our programming tab and you can see that the, the, the variety of different programs that we offer. And, you know, look, these aren't things that cost money to come to, uh, you brought up our timber framing camp. It's, it's another one of my favorites. Um, again, it's, 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 it is timber framing. It's the art of timber framing again, for all of us outdoorsmen that geek out about the trees on our property and, my goodness, I, I've lost so many hours of my life, uh, not lost, but enjoyed so many hours <laughs> of my life just staring at trees, right? And, uh, I mean, I've got, you know, a couple different sawmills and, uh, you know, I, I love, 
you know, being able to take a resource, uh, responsibly harvest it, you know, see successional growth, then utilize, you know, that, that amazing resource as uh, a, a cabin or a house or whatever it is that we're building with it. And, and that timber framing camp is all about leadership. Again, it falls under the Life Foundation Leadership Academy. And so, you know, whether it's our timber framing camp, it's our light project, um, it's things like, you know, Camp Vahoakis or, you know, we do have a fishing program uh, hooked on fishing that's incredible. Any of those opportunities, you can learn more about um, at mattlight72.com. Um, some of those are, 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 you know, more geared towards kids that we go out and select uh, through a process that we have internally. Other ones you can sign up for. Uh, we've had kids come from all over the place and uh, participate in those programs. So, you know, um, a lot of information on the website. And, and also, you know, look, we, um, we, 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 we get 90 some 94% of our, our annual fundraising comes through our events, right? Um, we don't do a lot in terms of, uh, you know, federal or state grants and things of that nature. Um, if, if we bring in, you know, support for the life foundation, it comes through, you know, a lot of hard work running these events. Therefore we're very diligent with, you know, where we spend money and how we spend it. Um, and I think that's a, a big key component and, and, and what, you know, you're tasked with, if you're given something as, uh, as you are a, a nonprofit, right. People are entrusting you with, with what they've worked hard to earn. Right. So you, you owe it to those supporters to make sure you put it to great use. And, and so we, we, we survive on the generosity of individuals and corporations and, you know, there's ways to get involved, you know, uh, through our own website with donations or, you know, man hours and volunteering and things of that nature. And you can always reach out and we can, uh, you know, we can, connect, we can connect with you uh, through the site on that end as well. Yeah. And to me, that's great. And it gives people opportunities to participate and, you know, help use out, you know, obviously this is a podcast focus on, you know, deer management, but at the same point, it is a little bit more worldly in the sense that we want to see improvements, right? We want to see people staying involved, getting involved in these type of activities and, you know, we're setting ourselves up for success years down the road. No different from managing, like you said earlier, sustainable forests and thinking a little bit more appropriate about what we can do better in the landscape. We're thinking long term, not short term. And I think when it comes to you, your contributions and focus in this area, your give back is huge. And, you know, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because I think it's it's good opportunity to people to reflect a little bit more. We get so much into the weeds and some of this stuff, whether it's food plots or whatever topic we get into you know, thinking a little bit more worldly and holistically about some of these different areas is, is important. So you know, I appreciate you being on the podcast, Matt, uh, sharing your story. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of yours. Obviously, we have a mutual friend. It's been good to kind of connect with you. I'm going to follow the foundation. I would ask anybody who's listening to this, check it out. It's cool. Um, it gives some kids opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. And I think that's incredible. And I think if we do more of that, even our own worlds, we're we're providing better opportunities for, for these next generations. And, and I think that's critical. So anything you want to end on on your end? Well, listen, guys, it's been, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and, and look, I, I geek out on everything that, that, you know, you work on day in and day out when it comes to, you know, land management and, uh, 
you know, what you do in the realm of food plots and edge featherings and, you know, I mean, all, all that stuff is incredible. Um, but, but to hit on, you know, what, what you brought up with your own kids, I, I'll tell you this, I, my daughter, my oldest is a junior at Purdue. Uh, she shot her for her first Turkey was uh, at eight. And that was the first uh, hunt that she went on. My youngest daughter's a fourth grader. She shot her first Turkey uh, when she was six and uh, I think you're exactly right. You start on a small game. I mean, that's 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 some of my fondest memories growing up in Ohio and chasing squirrels and and rabbits, you know, with with uncles and 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 cousins and all that good stuff. Uh, but then as you go, one of the things that I've found, and and for your listeners or for people that are, you know, trying to find that way to connect with their own kids, what what I've really found, especially with my boys, uh, but I did it with my my oldest daughter as well. Um, take a trip somewhere outside of your home range, right? You know, sometimes it can get redundant. Yeah, okay, I planted those trees with my dad. I can remember, you know, my kids being on the back of a planter as I'm working the tractor trying to keep a straight row, and, you know, they're planting thousands of trees. Only, uh, you know, ours ended in a in a legit hailstorm hurricane, you know, almost, uh, actually, tornado <laughs> uh, in Ohio. That sounds painful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, 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 yeah, not only that, John, but it also ended uh, in two successive years of drought where we lost like 70% of our trees. But that aside, <laughs> that aside, as a, as a horrible land manager, right? Um, you know, getting getting my kids um, into a different environment, right, I, I thought was key. So, you know, I would encourage, you know, if, if, you're, if you're really trying to make that connection, you know, take that trip where it's just you and, and one of your kids, right? I took my daughter to Utah on an elk hunt one time. Um, that was, you know, incredible memories. I, I try to take my boys on individual trips every spring to a different place to turkey hunt. And, uh, you know, I think that, that that does a lot of things. It's great quality time that you spend, right? Um, it, it opens up their eyes to a different part of the country, different people, different way of life and, and, uh, and, and new challenges. And I think that that's, you know, I think those are all, you know, really valuable experiences, especially with your own kids. I love ending on that. That's awesome. And I like the challenges and I like how you capitalized on that. Matt, thanks for sharing. Thanks for taking time out of your day for the podcast. And uh, we'll be following you. Hopefully everybody who's listening to us follows you as well. And uh, please check out the website. And then obviously, you know, get a hold of them. They're available. You can email them. Um, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me. But I appreciate your time. Uh, yours as well, John. Take care. All right. Talk soon. See ya. Maximize Your Hunt is a production of Whitetail Landscapes. For more information on how John Teeter and his team of experts can help you maximize your hunt, check out whitetaillandscapes.com.